So good seeing you out today. Um, glad it's warm inside, ain't you? Um, I logged into the thermostat this morning. It was on 71, so I turned it on 72 just for you. The gas bill will go up this month, but it'll be okay. Me and Rick was walking in a while ago, and he was talking about at least we didn't have to cut firewood to come in early and start an old wood fire in the corner, which wouldn't be a bad thing, but thankful for God's provision and that he is here with us this morning. How many came to hear from God today? Amen. Amen. Me and Elsie ate chips at the Mexican restaurant there the night together. <laughs> uh, yeah, see see how good it is? And then she took some of my French fries and gobbled around on them. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's turn today to Genesis chapter 15. The book of Genesis chapter 15, which is the first book in your Bible, so it should be easy to find. Um, go back to the beginning, Genesis. How many is thankful to have a Bible? Amen. Amen. That it teaches us, that it leads us, that it guides us, that it instructs us, that it gives us wisdom, it increases our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So... Hopefully and prayerfully, that's what happens to us today. Uh, we're still in the sermon series, uh, The Gospel BC. Um, look at your neighbor and say, God don't change much. <laughs> Actually, you don't change at all. The same yesterday, today, and forever, Scripture declares in Hebrews. Even in Old Testament, it says, I, the Lord thy God, and I change not. I do not change. So when Leslie's singing about that he won't fail and that he won't, it's because everywhere we read, he hasn't. And that ain't going to change with your situation. Whatever you're facing, he's able. And the Bible actually declares that he's well able. Has more than enough to provide whatever your need is this point in time and juncture in your life. The gospel has always been there. Even if it, was what, if it was predictive in the Old Testament or looking forward, it doesn't mean that the gospel was not there. What is the gospel? The good news. So if you're going to share the gospel with somebody, you're going to share the good news. What's the good news? That God's Son came to earth, lived a victorious life, was put to death for the sins of all mankind on a cross, and then he was buried, and he stayed there forever, waiting on Sunday for it to get okay. No. The good news is 
The world thought they could hold him. And the rock thought it could stop him. But the stone was rolled away. Amen. On the third day when they went back, the women, thank God for women. Amen. Thank God for women. They went back. The man was huddled up in the upper room, scared. And the women went back to check on him, and the stone was rolled away, and they run back to the room, and they knocked on the door, and they scared to open the door, and finally opened the door, and they said, He is not there. He is risen. That's the good news, because without that, we're all in trouble. Sin runs rampant without the gospel. But the gospel helps us to overcome the things in this life. That gospel has always been present, and that's what this is about, is the gospel B.C. So we're going to read about Abram in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 15. It tells me to read the whole chapter, which is 21 verses, so I suppose I shall do that. Um, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what shall you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he thought, then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. It's important to believe. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him, and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece at the opposite of the other, but he did not cut the two birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Isn't it amazing when you begin to offer things to God that there's vultures come and try to take it away? So the minute you start acting on obedience to what God told you to do, the vultures will come. The enemy will come and try to take away what you're doing for God because he knows if you're obedient to God and you give in to God's will over your will and you give up your possessions, was it easy for Abram to give up these meat? He had a lot of people living under his care. Sure, God had blessed him, and he had fields full of animals, but everyone's important. And God says, go get these and bring them to me. And Abram's obedient even when it cost him. 
Think about that. Are we obedient to God when it costs us? It's easy to come in here and lift up hands and sing and say, He won't fail me yet. Amen. It's easy to come in here and worship in this atmosphere with like-minded believers. But what about when you're out on the street? What about when you're at your workplace and everything's falling apart? What about when you're at odds with people and, and, and there's turmoil in your family? What if we would lift up our holy hands then and say, God ain't failed me yet, and he ain't going to fail me right here. I'm going to praise him in the storm. Amen? Amen? Obedience is when it costs you. It really don't cost anything in here. It costs when it's out there. And Abram was there alone with God, but he drove them away. That wasn't easy in the desert sun of Israel. Staying up all night, getting a vision, God telling you the next day, go out and get these animals, bring them back, cutting them. Anybody ever been in a slaughterhouse? Anybody ever gutted a deer? I loved it that one of the schools posted a picture a few years ago that they did that at school. It was pretty awesome. Teaching kids how things operate that some people think meat comes from the grocery store. There's a whole lot of behind the scenes. But Abram must have been tired, but he was doing it anyway. He was working anyway. Verse 12, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. There's a whole lot can be said about that verse in theology and what the church teaches. That God can cause you to go into a deep trance. It's all written all over scripture. And he can speak to you because he's putting you in a trance-like state so that you'll shut up and lay still and let him do the talking. And I believe in those things. I have fell in the floor under the power of God in a youth group meeting in Raceland, Kentucky, and God spoke to me. Now, I'm not, I believe in it. Why? Because I've experienced it, and God's word says it. Amen? Abram fell out under the power of God, and God was still doing stuff. Now, you might be out, but that don't mean God's asleep. <laughs> he don't sleep nor slumber. Then he said to Abram, no certainly, think about this, out, not understanding in a trance-like state, sleep. Then he said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. God's promises are yes and amen. Sometimes it's not what we want to hear. Amen? We like to tiptoe through the tulips and everything's hunky-dory and, oh, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my borders. You know, we, we got these specific prayers that we pray. But here God's saying, I am going to do something. And your descendants that I'm promising to you, even though you've not seen them yet or you've not experienced that yet, and you're childless and you're barren, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. They are going to serve somebody else. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. Nobody wants your kids and your grandkids to be slaves. But God is saying this shall happen. 
No, certainly your descendants will be strangers. 400 years. It's a long time. America is on the verge of being 250 years old. It's been around a while. It ain't even close to what God's saying that the children of Israel are going to live in captivity. It's a long time. So, and also the nation whom they shall serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possession. So you're going in as a slave and you're coming out with great possession. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a, go at a good old age. Sounds fun. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is yet to be complete. And it shall come to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between these pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given you this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates, the Canaanites, the Kesanites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raymond, and all the Amorites and Canaanites, the Gishites, and the Jebusites. That's a lot of different groups of people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that we can dig through the Old Testament and see glimpses and pictures of you being present even before you came to this earth, Jesus, yet you were there. You have always been faithful. You are faithful now, and we believe that you will always be faithful. Lord, we thank you as we search the scriptures to know these things. Awaken our hearts to have faith like Abram, to have trust like Abram, to be obedient like Abram. And we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Everybody says, Amen. So there's a whole lot could be <laughs> topics of discussion that we could attempt to try to understand today out of this chapter. It's a very important chapter in the Bible. It's one that sets things into motion that had not yet been. These are promises that God made. And actually, if you go back and study the history of the religion of the Jewish faith, this is really the covenant, the first covenant. A covenant. What is that? So marriage is not just a license that we get from the headquarters of the government. Marriage is a covenant. It's something we make. It's an a, a oath, an obligation. It's kind of like a, a supersized contract. Anybody ever had to sign a contract, employment contract? If you'll do this, we'll pay you this. We'll give you these benefits. We'll give you this. 
contract, it's pretty awesome getting one of those because the contract seals the deal. And when you put it in writing and you sign your name to it, then you even go above and beyond and get a notary to stamp it. Everybody say, it's getting serious in here. <laughs> Amen. But a covenant is way above and beyond a contract. So much more important because this is God's way of making a promise. And it's not just a contract, even to the point of being notarized, that guarantees that the signatures were truly the person. But this is a covenant. Everybody say covenant. This is the Old Testament covenant. A covenant, a promise of God that's yes and amen that's going to come to pass. This covenant that God had promised, this is your land. What about all these people that we just named off here that was living there? Is it their land? They've been living there for generations. They'd raise families there. See, sometimes you can live on something and think you own it. Then later on find out, no, this is God's anyway. Amen? Just like us. We think, well, i got a deed to my property. whoop de do. Don't pay your taxes two or three years in a row and see what happens. You'll find how much you own it. Amen? We think we possess these things when in reality, Scripture says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything you see, smell, hear, taste, look at belongs to God, period. It's his and his alone, and he'll do with it as he wishes. He can take from one and give to another. These tribes, these families, these heirlooms that these people had possessed thought they had control because they had power, wealth, notoriety, influence, but yet God, the King of glory, comes into a situation and there's this man traveling from the earth of the Chaldeans through a land and he's looking around and there's all these cities built. There's all these things and there's all these amenities and all this stuff and he's out here on a hillside killing some of his sheep, amen, killing some of his cattle and, and cutting them in two and working on a hillside and God comes down and speaks to him in the midst of this situation and says all of this from the Euphrates over is going to be yours. And your children's children shall possess this land. Pretty hard to believe when you don't even own a deed. When you ain't even got a kid. It's pretty hard to believe when all these things just don't, it don't make common sense. It don't meet reality of what I'm seeing. But faith is a lot more than that. Faith sees beyond reality. Faith looks into the future and the promises of God and says, yes, I'll believe that even though it don't look like it, even though I don't feel like it. So Abram trusted God and believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And that's written all over the New Testament. So to be like Abram, to be like him, where, where's the earth of the Chaldeans? Where'd he come from? So you're telling me the children of Israel has this great, 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 great
grandfather and his name is Abram. And he's from Ur the Chaldeans. Where's that at? In today's world, if you pull out a map, most scholars, most theologians, most people believe that it's in modern-day Iraq. So Jesus is an Iraqi. His bloodline comes through Iraq as far as on this earth. So we think he's Jewish. We think he's an Israeli. We think he's from Israel. But where's his bloodline go? Sometimes you go back far enough, you might find out you're kin to people you don't want to be kin to. Amen. I study genealogy all the time. I love doing it. But sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll not write that one down. And that's the beautiful part about Ancestry.com is it'll find them for you and say, well, your fourth, seventh displaced cousin is Billy the Kid or somebody. It's like, no, nah, I don't want to be kin to him. You know, that's. I'd rather be kin to Abraham Lincoln or somebody. <laughs> but here we are with Ur of the Chaldeans, this Iraqi traveling up through the land, coming down through a different region, and on this hillside, God makes a promise. God makes a covenant. And you see, this was a common practice because wherever you come in, and the way to do a covenant or a, an agreement back in their culture in their day and time was to do this, to take animals, split them apart, lay them, separate them out, and both of you would walk through and the blood of the animal would get on your feet. And it was, they didn't have documents. This was a testament. This was a sacrificial thing that they did so that to prove that, yes, this blood that's on my feet will be on my hands and upon my head if I don't abide by the terms that we just agreed to. And both individuals would do that. But this is God's covenant. It's better, bigger, better, faster than anything this world knows about. So Abram finds himself passed out on the ground in this story, laying there. He'd done all the work, put all the animals out, got all, the whole situation set up to where that this event's about ready to happen, that he knows that he's going to, something about a covenant's going on, there's some kind of promise or some kind of thing that, an agreement that I'm abiding to here with, with this one I know I'm hearing does all the work and God makes him pass out and lay on the ground and it says God comes down as this kettle and this flaming fire and goes through the middle of that by himself. It doesn't say that Abraham walked through. This covenant was a picture of the future to where God says I've got you and you don't have to do anything. Ain't you glad where you got an agreement that you don't have to do anything? Sure, it looks like you did the work of cutting these things up and doing all this stuff, but the promises I'm making to you is something you cannot do. You might cut an animal in two, Abram, but you can't produce a child unless I'm in it. Come on, somebody. I, you, you can't promise your generations for 400 years are going to be in slavery and come out with a bunch of possessions, and then I, you can't promise them that they're going to inherit this land from that sea over to this river. You can't say any of that, Abram, but I can first covenant your seed as we said last week the seed of the woman and all throughout scripture all throughout the bible as you read and study and look at this stuff God is always talking about a seed who's the seed Abram there's something happening in the future 
of your generations. And you don't even see it yet. You can't realize it yet. But it shall happen. It shall come to pass. Is anybody in this room believing God for anything? Are you trusting God for anything? The way Abby talked about a few weeks ago where she said her brother, you know, and she was praying and praying and praying for years and years and, and just traumatized by it. Is, he ever, is John ever going to get right? Because it doesn't look like John's getting right, did it? And he got right and she didn't even know about it. Why? Because God has to do it. Abby can't do it. All you can do is pray and believe and trust. You've seen it, Betty. For Terry to pray, that's a new day. Amen? Jerry Sparks to pray, that's a big deal. And for him to give his life to God is a big deal. It's a promise. It's a trust. It's a belief that I'm going to keep on practicing. I'm going to keep on doing And I'm going to keep on saying what these things that God has promised me. And they come in due time and in God's way. And I'm glad it's his way and not mine. Amen? I have to trust him. So Abram, with this covenant, think about this, this new agreement, this new settlement that God has said, this land is yours. And do you think that he got up and run to the first city, Rick, and said, I tell you what, Hebuzites, God said, get out of town, this is mine. If he would have, he'd have messed it all up, wouldn't he? He didn't do that. Very glad he didn't because he probably got killed before he ever had his baby. Amen? If we get involved in things, we mess things up. So then the story goes on here. So he didn't do that. He didn't go try to take his towns. He had this promise from God. He had this agreement from God. He had this covenant from God. And he's obedient to it. That he's doing what God says to do, but he's doing it in a way that he says, I know I don't need to get involved because God's got this. So, he goes back home. Next chapter, Genesis 16. Goes back home. He's excited. When we leave out of the room here at church, we, go, we leave out of here excited, right? Man, I heard from God today. It felt, I felt the Holy Spirit moving on me during singing. I, I'm going out here and I'm jubilant about what all happened today. And I'm, I'm on fire for God and I'm going to tackle the world this week, right? Then we get home. And then Monday comes, yeah. Yeah, you might make it through Sunday. And it hits you right in the face, don't it? So he leaves out of there in, in Genesis 15 with this meeting with God, this presence of God, a holy flame going through this, this animals that he'd cut, that he'd laid apart, that he, he made this contract, this covenant, this thing with God. Or God made it with him. He didn't make it with God. God made it with him, to say it honestly. And he gets home, and what happens? Sarah. Hey, we ain't got a kid. Um, I got this mistress over here, you know, my servant. She's helping me, this Egyptian that we got when we was down there. Now, apparently, I can't have kids, so won't, Abraham, won't you just take her and make her your wife too, and, and then maybe God's going to do it that way. Somebody should have jumped up and teed her up. <laughs> right? Has anybody ever played ball? I, I was really good in, in grade school. I was a really good ball player. Um, 
you got lots of those teed up things. I I thought they was like a celebration or something. Technical, right? There's a difficulty here. You're outside the bounds of normal. You can't take a ball and slam it on the floor and bounce it to the rafters. Technical. You're mishandling the ball. You can't do it. Sit down. And luckily I made a couple of F's and they took the ball away from me completely and I wasn't allowed to play no more. But I wonder if that wasn't a setup that Mr. Wells gave me an F just so he could get me off the team. <laughs> get this guy out of here. It's hard enough to win a game without him. He makes sure we lose. Sarah was outside the bounds of the agreement. She was outside the bounds of the contract with God, the covenant with God. I want to do it my way because I can't see how this is going to happen. I'm beyond the years of bearing a child. But God. Amen. But God. And there's years that goes on here. And these promises that God kept laying before them when Melchizedek comes and, and speaks to them and she laughs in the tent and all these things are happening. The promises had been already. But now there's a covenant in place. It's not just somebody showing up to the house and you feeding them a meal and them saying you're going to have a child. You've been years looking for this. And now you're coming back to Abram and saying you spoke with God again. Last time it didn't happen. He won't fail me yet. Where's that mentality in the church? Why, why are you still trusting? And there's people looking at you and they're saying, why are you still being faithful in a church house whenever you've been let down time after time after time? Why are you still serving that God that has not come through for you time after time after time? You keep talking about these promises He's made you. Where are they at? Where's the proof? The naysayers, the naggers. Does anybody else have those in your life that says, that's not possible? You're dreaming too big of a dream. You're saying you own ground that's not yours. You don't have the deed. But God, He won't fail us, church. So Abram comes back and Sarah says, do it this way. And she does. And Abram surely obliged. Just like, yeah, she's, she's pretty hot. I, yeah, I, that'll be my wife too. Awesome. Egyptians are pretty. Yeah, thank you. And they have a son. And instantly upon her conceiving a child, what's it say Sarah does? She gets mad. She says, now God has got more favor on her than me. Hagar, what, what, Abraham, you messed this up. Really now? Come, come on, husbands. <laughs> you ever do what they say and then get in trouble for doing it? <laughs> it's biblical. <laughs> Next thing you know, Hagar takes off and runs down by the creek, and guess who shows up to talk to her? God himself. Some people says, you know, to women, know your place, that only God will talk to man. Hogwash. Read your Bible. He can talk to the one that's been done wrong sitting down by a creek crying her eyes out. Why did I conceive? Why did I get married to this guy? Why, did, why is this happening? Why am, why am I out here as a slave anyway to this woman and she hates me now and she runs? And God says, pack your bags up, Hagar. Head on back home and live with Sarah. I just ran away. I don't want to go back. But she does. 
Because God is convincing. I've got you. I've got your son. You shall call him Ishmael. And he's going to be hated by all tribes and all people and all the lands. They'll hate him. They'll fight with him. But it's still a promise from God. And he's still your son and I'll bless him. If we only knew the power of the promises of God and what it would allow us to do, even though it seems like hard things, that we would be yet obedient to do what he tells us to do, like these people in this story, to get off our own way of doing things and turn towards God and do it his way. It may not seem like the right way to us, but it's still his way is better than ours. And Abram and Sarah and Hagar and all these people. What time is it? 11.25, wouldn't you know? Okay, that was like the introduction. Um, we still got an hour and a half worth of sermon here left. So I'll just give you some homework. How about that? Leslie's like, yeah, let's do that so we can go eat. And Ammon, they was telling me before church that they had to leave by 11 to go to their birthday party or whatever. And uh, they're gone, so... Um, they already skedaddled. Um, so there's all kinds of places in the New Testament that speak to and quantify and bring revelation to this situation, an old covenant, okay? Jesus said in the New Testament to his disciples when they was there and they was breaking bread, the Last Supper picture that we see, you know, at Grandma's house, got the Last Supper. Jesus is handing out some wine and some bread. And he says, this is a new covenant I give to you. This is a new agreement, a promise that I'm making with you. This is my blood that I'm going to give for you. This is my body that I'm going to give for you. And they're sitting here eating this and thinking this and listening to this. And one of them even walks away and goes and sells Jesus for a few pieces of silver. It's a covenant I'm making with you. It's agreement that I'm making with you. Better than a contract. Better than a signed notarized document. I'm making a new covenant with you. Did Jesus make things better or not? Amen. He absolutely did. And if the Old Testament covenant came true and Israel inherited that land and for 400 years they was in captivity of Egypt, just like God said, and then another generations and generations, 14 generations to this and 14 more generations to this and then 14 more generations and then Jesus shows up. Just like it says in Luke, just like it says in Matthew, the Gospels, this Jesus I'm making a new covenant with you. And then if you go through and study and want to do a deep study in this and think about this and ponder about this, I want you to read these three chapters. And if you've got notes, write them down. If you don't, come back and listen to this and, and dig through these three different chapters in the New Testament. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I want you to read the whole thing. It's talking about Abraham. Galatians chapter 3. In Hebrews chapter 7. 
three. So I get seven. So four plus three equals seven. How about that? Be a good way to remember it. Romans, Galatians, Hebrews. All of them speak to this new covenant. Apostle Paul is writing to the church and saying, look at Abraham and the promises that God made to him and see what he did. See how faithful he had been. And he's writing back to these churches and telling them, have faith in God. And I was listening to T.D. Jakes this morning and listened to a sermon about T.D. Jakes and I love hearing him and listening to him. He's a, one of the best preachers, I think, in, in our lifetimes for sure. I think he'll go down in history as one of the greats like Billy Sunday and, and you know, some of these old, te- old people back in the Age of Enlightenment people that T.D. Jakes is just flat awesome as a preacher. And he was talking about how some people talk about faith and belief and trust and they get to the point where that they have faith in faith. That they keep saying it over and over and over again. They think because they say it or think because they believe it or think because they tell somebody that that is faith. But he said that ain't what the Bible says. It, it don't say to have faith in faith. It says the Bible has, says have faith in God. One guy come to Jesus and said he needed something and Stop said increase our faith. Help our unbelief. So we can have faith. We can trust God. We can we can speak some things. But are we believing God? Is our faith in God or in what we want? T.D. Jakes was talking about Abram becoming Abraham, that God changed his name to the father of many nations. You grew up as a little bit, little bitty kid in Iraq and no man's land. And I took you over here to this whole new land and you only come with your nephew because he was tagging along. And you've done some messed up things. And you've got some messed up kids. But Isaac's still coming. And he stayed with God through that all. And the promises of God came true. God's covenant will not fail. So when Jesus says, trust in me, lean on me, cast all your cares upon me. When Jesus Christ himself says those things, he's making a covenant with you. Do this. Because I promise you this, I've got you. Trust me, I've got you. Our Heavenly Father is in control of all this. He owns the land, He owns all the stuff. The Bible even says that He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. It's all His. Somebody else was probably taking care of Him, but it's yet His. So don't put our trust in things, put our trust in Him. The gospel has always been, it's even now, and it will always be. The gospel is true. It's a covenant of God with us, a new covenant, Jesus said. That we are to trust God, not ourselves. So if you'd bow your head and close your eyes with me today. 
study those three chapters and just read them and dig into this a little bit and study the life of Abraham. I want you to dig. Study. Be obedient to God's word. And listen for his voice. A still small voice. Father, I thank you for this day and this opportunity to be in your house. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story of Abram, Sarai, Hagar, and Jesus, and the disciples, and for your people. God, we pray today that your word would establish our goings. That Jesus, you are the preeminence of all things that are even yet to come. Just as you were there with Abram in this event, just as you were found faithful and true then, God, I pray for those sitting here today that's facing situations, that's got some obstacles, that's got some things that they're, they're worried about, they're concerned about, that the pressures and the cares of this life is weighing on their shoulders. Jesus, this new covenant that you've given us, God, let us take advantage of the situation and just trust you. Lord, if they walked in worried, let them walk out with confidence knowing you've got this, just as the song we sang. That you won't ever fail you have never failed you're not failing now and you won't fail in the future give us confidence and trust and faith like the world has not yet seen give us the will to be in obedience to you just as your word says and God help us to be overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony. Let us walk out into this world in which we live and speak your oracles, God, that we could speak and declare things that your word is saying to us, that your promises are true, that we would help our neighbors, help our friends, help those that we work with, God, to trust in you. Let us share the good news, even this week. Open up doors that other men seems like have been shut for the gospel to be spread amongst our peers amongst our family and amongst your people that nobody is off limits of this new covenant help us to see it to realize it, to feel it, and to experience it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.